Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today we have a very special guest, a self-proclaimed nudist and kinkster. This person is well known within the Los Angeles leather community for his upbeat spirit and undeniable ability to make others smile. He holds the title of Mr. Bullet Leather 2015 and is actively involved with several community outreach programs like Payasos LA. So, let's sit back, relax, and get ready for some more leather talk. Hello, everybody. This is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Esteban. Hi, Esteban. Hey, hello, Brandon. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Would you mind introducing yourself, please? Well, um, my name is Esteban Bartolo. I'm um, from Colombia. I'm a nudist. I'm a clown. I'm an architect, and I'm a leatherman, and here I am. Willing to talk to you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, did you mention your sexual orientation? Are you? Uh, I'm homosexual from homosexual. head to toe. Yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I got it. Perfect. Well, Esteban, uh, how did we meet? Do you remember? Yes, we were. Uh, the, I remember the first time I saw you. We were in a leather contest. Uh, in a bar in Fall Line, if I'm not wrong, mm-hmm. and you were kind of cruising me. <laughs> I'm glad you um, have the same memory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Oh, look at this guy!" And then a uh, few months after, you were running for a contest. Say, "Oh, that's the guy who was cruising me. Look at him." <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm so glad we have the same memory. I, I so. know, <laughs> and I, I was one of the judges, and I fell in love with you. <laughs> And I, I, I just say, damn, how come I never put attention to that boy before? Mm, well, so now, now you're popular and famous, so. Oh, you're making me blush over here, Esteban. <laughs> well, okay, let, let me tell the story really quick. So for those of you who are listening, we were we were at, uh, it was Fault Line, the, mm-hmm. the Fault Line competition. And of course, you know, Fault Line does not have urinals. They have like the old school trough, my favorite. And I remember like looking down, I saw something shiny next to me and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this guy has a Prince Albert. And I looked over and and that's how I met you. I was like, is that a Prince Albert? (laughs) So you made me become my Prince Albert? Oh my God. It was because my pretty face. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I didn't see your face until after. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) I saw your big dick too, so that wasn't interesting. So you have a couple a couple titles, right, Esteban? Leather title? Uh, yes, I was uh, Mr. Bullet, your title, 2015. Mm-hmm. And then I was Mr. Semen 2016, which is California men who enjoy nudism. Okay. And then I was on the top five and I am L17. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you're involved with a few organizations. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit later, but I want to know more about you. Mm-hmm. Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> oh my god, a long ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, uh, how many years have you been in the community? You you said. Let's say I've been going since I moved to uh, LA from Colombia in 2000, and I've been going to leather bars since 2001. So about 19, 20 years. Then. But but it's involvement with the community aspect of the leather is since 2010. Okay. Okay. Now, when did you discover that you were gay? <sighs> I guess since I was a little girl. Oh no! Since I was a little boy, <laughs> I uh, I grew up with my mother. Uh, my dad left left, left her the home when we were very little. So my mom was the you know, the father figure, and I grew up with my mother and six aunts and one sister and no men. And I was always missing men all the time. So I was just dreaming of men and and 
watching magazines on my sister just to see the men and all that. So I guess that's what I discovered was gay. <laughs> okay. And do you remember like your first homosexual-like encounter? Of course I do. <laughs> it was, I was very young and I was uh, uh, on a vacations in uh, Cartagena, Colombia. And then I, um, I, was, I was part of a group, an escorting on a tour group. And one of the guys on the tour, he was a priest. So oh. somehow we have an accident on a motorcycle, one of the little scooters, just him and, and myself. So everybody kept enjoying the vacation and we both stayed in the hotel the rest of the vacation. And we fell in love with each other for 27 months. Wow. So so we that was my first sexual experience with him, with a priest. So it was great. <laughs> so was that uh, a consensual experience for you or did you feel like like taken advantage of in any way? To- totally consensual, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but even even when he was older and everything, I was it was totally consensual and I I really enjoy yeah. Okay, so that would you like count that as maybe like your first real relationship? It was my very, yeah, my very first relationship. I'm a very uh, sexual relation, uh, a relation, yeah. Had, had you ever had sex with the opposite sex or, or another gender? Yes, I, you know, growing up, then uh, I went to college and um, you start feeling that probably you shouldn't be homosexual because it goes against all everyone in your community and the people and everything. So I have girlfriends mm-hmm. and I fuck my girlfriends and I um, I was to the, in the military too. And we used to go on trips and just fuck prostitutes on the street. So, so yeah, I have, I have sexual relationship with women and actually I like sex with women too. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's not an, uh, something I reject. So I, yeah. Okay. So it's just, it sounds like you like sex period. I love sex, all kind of sex. Yes. <laughs> Well, did you ever tell your parents about your relationship with the priest or that you were gay or? No, they never knew about, I mean, they're super Catholic and they probably died. They, well, mm-hmm. my mother died, so it's too late. But <laughs> but uh, they, they probably would never accept it. Um, but yeah, I came out to my uh, mother when I was probably, what, 21, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Really, she knew all her life and I was gay, but she was always very... Uh, care, uh, like care about pe- what people say about us, about our family, about me, and whatever. So the first thing she said, she was after all the drama. Ah, my God, I can't believe it! Like, who knows? Who knows? Nobody should know. Nobody should know this. So that was that was the only thing, and she was more worried about it. Like people know that I was gay. Later on the year, she became a super gay ally, and she used to party with me on the gay clubs and go to gay prides, and you know, things change. But I, yeah. Right. But that was yeah. So she was more afraid of how people would treat you. It treat me and would, and talk about her, right? I see. Because you know her friends, they were all ah whatever, so and so. Oh my god, her friend is gay. Her friend is gay. Whatever. So, you know, <laughs> stupid, yeah. stupid social commitment things. So I, I wonder how much of because you said you grew up Catholic. I grew up Catholic too. Mm-hmm. Do you can still consider yourself Catholic or religious or spiritual in any way? I I, I consider myself Catholic. I don't. I'm not an active Catholic. I mean, I don't go to church anymore, and there are a lot of things of the Catholic Church that I don't agree with. But I have my beliefs, and I think everybody has the right to have their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have my own. So yeah, if you ask me if I'm Catholic, I would say yes, I am. So, I mean, on your own, like, personal spiritual journey, how, how did you grow in your spiritual, like, relationship with God or whatever you believe is God coming out as gay or discovering that you were gay? You know, it was very simple for me because, as I say, my first partner was a, a Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. So, basically, uh, we always had sex on the seminar where all the other students to be in priest were there and, and church and everything. So for me, it wasn't a forbidden thing from the religion because it came from, you know, from there. So it was actually really easy. For, I, I never saw Catholicism, Catholicism against me being gay until I moved to America mm. and I started seeing everything. Like, oh my God, this is so bad. But in Colombia, I never saw it that way. I see, I see. Mm-hmm. So did you, uh, did you lose any friends over coming out? Hmm. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you have good friends then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I think all my, all, I mean, I haven't talked to many friends for many years, but, uh, <sighs> but I'm pretty sure they all know I'm gay, and I don't, I don't see anyone who have come up to me and yell at me or, or treat me wrong because I'm gay. No. Now you mentioned earlier that you were part of the military. Are you, were you part of the Colombian military? Yes, I went to uh, army in Colombia for eighteen months. Okay. You know, as a part of the obligatory service that you do up to your uh, high school. So um, I went there for 18 months, yes. So did you did you experience any pushback in that kind of military culture? Uh, you know, there is a lot of internal homophobia, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of gay activity inside. So everything is in the closet, but, you know, behind doors, everything happened on the military. So like the homophobia is more like like trying to to be you know outside, but inside everything is nice and it's better. Yeah. So did you have any sexual experiences Ooh. while you were in the military? <laughs> yes, a lot. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay. Could you just tell us like a quick story? Just like give us the down low. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the, the easiest um, sexual experience you have in the military is when you are standing as a guard. Taking, I mean, watching the building at nine midnight, whatever, people just drive by and you just follow them and go to a garage and get a blowjob or oh. oh, fuck or okay, get fucked. So, and that happens like almost every night you are you are in service, and at least in Colombia, I don't know here, right? Oh my <laughs> that's, god, that, that, that's very normal. Also, on um, I mean, I think the gays at that time that was their cruising spot. They know they just drove by where the militaries were being guard or whatever. And whoever just, you know, cruise, they just go and follow them and they have sex. So it was very easy. Also, there is a lot of sex inside the dormitory. You know, you're all my mates. Um, at night, the lights go off and people just jump from bed to bed and have sex. And you hear noises, but everybody's quiet. I mean, nobody says anything. <laughs> nobody's quiet, but nobody says anything. Yeah, oh It's really, really fun. It's fun, yeah. Oh, my God. Esteban. What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry. Oh my god, I'm scaring you off. Okay, okay, I'll stop I stop right now. I'm no, sorry. I'm jealous. <laughs> my goodness. Wow. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. Yeah, you learn a lot of things. You do I don't know, like really dirty sex everywhere. <laughs> so was that your first kind of experience as far as like the cruise culture when you were like standing guard at night and following I yes, yes, okay. because at that time I was with my partner, the the, the priest. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was six months into the military, I was still with a guy, with a priest. So um, I never like did anything different than just being with him. So that was uh, that was my first time being there, and I mean learning the tricks of people when they look at you and you know you wink your eye and you smile and you ha 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 and keep going, right? <laughs> <laughs> So by the time I was eyeing your Prince Albert, you were well experienced in this whole cruising thing. Absolutely, yeah. My, <laughs> I got my Prince Albert in 2011. It's pretty new, actually. I, I'm not gonna. I, I'm definitely not gonna skip that topic. But we're gonna wait for that <laughs> in a moment. Okay. So the, when you had that relationship with the with the priest, would you consider that to be a monogamous relationship? Yes, totally, totally, totally. I. Uh, I actually didn't have sex. I mean, I only had sex with him for at least for the first two years only with him. When I started in the military is when I started having sex with others. Mm-hmm. And that's when things got, I mean, I started probably opening my eyes and saying, okay, this is not for me and whatever. And when the relation ends. Yeah. Okay. So you, you're in a, you're in a relationship now, correct? <laughs> yes. Uh, do you have a single partner or multiple partners in your relationship? Uh, no, I have only one partner, Colton. Okay. You're Mr. Eagle Leather. Um, we've been together for uh, over a year, year, four months, something like that. Uh, we are very open uh, sexually, and we play a lot with others. Uh, he has this dynamic of being like daddy, boy, sir, master, whatever. So so there are a lot of people in our lives and are part of our lives, but I wouldn't call them like in a relationship with them. No, I mean, a lot complete relationship. We're all in a relationship with everyone. But, uh, so you're not necessarily like polyamorous, but you're open as far as sexual encounters go. Uh, I would say I'm polyam- polyamorous. Yes. Okay. I, I, I love a lot of people and a lot of people love me and we share love. 
but uh, I don't have the commitment with her. So we're very free spirit. I we're see. Very, yeah. Okay. That makes uh-huh. sense. That makes sense. So do you consider yourself um, versatile or top or? Total versatile. Total versatile. I mean, my, my politic is your dick is bigger than mine and bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to have to compare later then. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm only doing this part for information's sake because I know you are versatile. I I've seen it in action, you guys. It's incredible. Oh my god, where there is no privacy. This is crazy. I know. Well, <laughs> I'm that's, what, that's what happens when you go and you everywhere. see this swing. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, I know. That was the second time I saw you. You were in a sling, and I was like. Was I? Is oh that Esteban? <laughs> <laughs> I I love when people see me bottoming and play parties. Like, a, what? I thought he was a top. How come he's bottoming? Is that Esteban? Everybody gets surprised. Like, a, what the fuck? We all bottom. We all top. What the thing? No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Colton because I, I walked by and, and I guess you guys had finished. And he goes, he like looked at me and he goes, you have a nice dick. You should have come over here and started fucking him. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Did you fuck me? No, I didn't. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think, <laughs> I think you were full of whatever by then. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Next time after COVID. <laughs> okay. After COVID. Okay. <laughs> How are you hold, uh, holding up with COVID? How are you staying kinky during COVID? We, I mean, I have, uh, I'm very fortunate, very lucky to have uh, Colton with me. So we always try to make it fun and playing with each other and being, I don't know, trying to make silly things, make funny and, I don't know, play with toys and play in the house. Uh, we also, after like probably week six or seven of being quarantined, we start getting a group of friends just together and we all just hang out together all the time. And it's uh, like six or eight of us, and we just go together everywhere, and we just have sex with each other. Okay. So that's basically how we've been uh, holding up so far. So is there like an application process to join this group? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you know, you have to give me your credit card, your security (laughs) number, and then we discuss, okay? (laughs) No, I really love that idea of having a, I guess you could call it like a uh, a quarantine pod, a a group of people that you just kind of see with each other. Yes. Um, I do feel like that does have to come with a lot of trust, though, because you, you do have to expect eight people to be responsible in the sense that they're not hooking up with random people as well. We The, the thing is that we are honest and we trust each other. And I wouldn't say that we haven't done anything risky because at some point we all have. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've been, uh, oh my God, I go to somebody's house, and like, oh my God, who's all these people here? So like, oh, and then I got, got tested and nothing happened. But I, but I, the things that we're honest. So when we do something that is risky, we tell the others, you know what? I'm not going to be seeing you for this week. I'm just going to be nice in my house because I don't know what's going to happen. No. Mm-hmm. So, so it's more about trust, honor, and respect. So that's what it is. Well, let's get more into your your leather experience. So when when did you first discover leather? Okay, so when I came here to LA in 2000, I rent I got a job in downtown and I rent an apartment by uh, LACC mm-hmm. close to Fall Line. So I didn't even know that was Fall Line or what was it. But uh, one, one day from the bus, I walk and I saw this bar and I just entered and it was like, they were playing like hard rock music and I love rock. And I said, oh my God, this is my music and I fucking love it. So every day after work, I just start going to the bar and end up being a gay bar <laughs> and end up being a leather bar. And it up being like kinky because at that time, uh, uh, you know, Fallen was a little, I mean, you probably, you, you, you weren't at that time, but uh, Fallen was uh, prestigious for being a little, Risque. Fun. So, <laughs> I mean, it's fun still, but it's funnier. <laughs> so, anyway, I met a lot of people, and then I went to the gauntlet and bullet and other places. So, that's that was, like, my first contact with leather. Okay. And uh, I started seeing uh, leather contests, and then I went to IML in 2001, and et cetera, et cetera, the rest is history. So, when you first stepped into that bar... What what did you experience? Did you experience any kind of sexual energy, or was it more of like a like camaraderie? Like, what did you experience at that time? Hey, dude, it was it was a weekday, like five thirty p.m. 
I entered a bar and it was dark as hell, super dark. They have a small patio and the patio was all like dirt on the floor and a, a wooden fence and it was falling apart. And all inside the bar, it was dark, hard rock music, three or four guys on the corner and cutouts of Tom Finland everywhere and gay porn on the TV. So I was like, Jesus Christ, I was just coming from Colombia. I was like, a, wow, <laughs> this is fucking paradise. No. <laughs> so I started going there almost every day after work and drinking and drinking, and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So let, let's go uh, more into, into this. So you said you went to IML. So it sounds like you kind of like immersed yourself into this culture. Do you remember your very first piece of leather? Yes, of course I do. I remember a gauntlet too, and it was uh, the eagle at that time in Santa Monica. Um, I saw a guy wearing leather chaps. So I never in my life seen somebody wearing pants when you show your ass and your dick, right? <laughs> and to me, that was, <laughs> oh my God, I want that thing. And I went to the guy and asked him, excuse me, where you get those things? And he told me, oh, there is a place called Rob Trade around the corner on, Santa, on the sunset. Mm -hmm. I went to the store and it's not the road trade that we know now. It was a small store on the second floor, really, really small. And Adrian was there and he custom made my chaps for me. Wow. I, I wear those chaps for first time on uh, San Francisco Leather Pride that year. And I was so scared of walking out from the Hilton Hotel to the street with those because I, I wasn't wearing anything else, just a jackstrap and the, and the leather chaps and tennis and didn't have boots at that time. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but I, once I got to the street and everybody started complimenting and talking and whatever, like, oh, I love this. And I still have those leather chaps and they still feel me. I don't know how, because I got like 50 pounds up. Them. <laughs> but uh, but I, I love my chaps, yes. That's my favorite, my first. Uh, Piece of leather. So this was Folsom in San Francisco? No, it wasn't Folsom. It was San Francisco uh, Leather Pride. Oh, San Francisco Leather Pride. Leather okay. Pride, yes. It wasn't even like a leather event. Obviously, there is a lot of things, but uh, it wasn't a leather event, yeah. But I was on the street just wearing the chaps, like, all proud, showing my butt to <laughs> everyone, like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, goodness. Wow. So did you end up, I mean, I know San Francisco is pretty open with their mm. like street fairs. Uh, was there like a lot of sex going on at the time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes, of course. Uh, mostly at that time, the bars, they were still being allowed to have like back rooms, the powerhouse and and the stats. There were a lot of bars and I didn't remember the name right now. But uh, yeah, they all have like play areas on the back. So they were always sex like crazy. Okay. And that was the problem is that was the time before prep. So I was always afraid of being infected with HIV, you know, hmm. especially here in San Francisco after all you hear all your life and whatever and whatever. So, so a lot of, I, well, anytime I see people having fucking in a bar with a condom at the time, I was always scared, no? Say, okay, I better just walk out. So there were a lot of sex, yes, but I also there was a lot of restriction because the HIV for me, my first. So you resorted to m more abstinence versus using a condom, or no? Yeah, but a lot of people don't use condom. Oh, I see. So, so a lot of people were like, "Oh, can we use a condom?" People were like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> say, "Okay, I'm sorry, I can't." No, I see. Yeah. I see. So, what was it like for you when when you discovered prep? Oh my god, <laughs> it was it's a big change. It was a, a little, um, I was a little skeptical at the beginning. I started prep since the very beginning when the trials started. So I was very skeptical, but then little by little, I started just losing up and, and being more relaxed about the fact and, than the chances to get HIV. It was, uh, they were much less than before, right? Right, right. I mean, I just, I have to say, you know, I, I took prep up until quarantine and I still for a long time would actually most of the time would use condoms um, even though I was on prep because I, I don't know, like you said, I guess I know the science behind it. It's just right. getting the courage and the, the mindset, yeah. like getting yes. yourself into that zone. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally get it. Yes. At the beginning it's kind of, you know, you're still afraid and anything else can happen. And it's still, you can get STDs and a lot of things, but uh but the main 
fear of being uh, HIV infected than it was the worst at that time, probably around now, you know, the worst, but uh, that was that was the thing. No? Right, right. Well, can you share with us maybe one of your most memorable sexy experiences at a leather bar? <laughs> you did it big. <laughs> <laughs> I know you got him. I know you got him. <laughs> well, I um, let's say I I like to drink. I'm not an alcoholic, but I'm almost an alcoholic. <laughs> well, I don't go to meetings, no, but I, I like to drink. So when I get a little uh, drunky, I get a little happy. And I usually um, have sex with many people on the bars. I uh, no long ago, I just right before point time, we actually, okay, I tell you this one. This is how I made uh, my actual partner, Colton. Okay. I was at a, at a bar in uh, here in Silver Lake. And uh, I went to the urinal. They have this little the trough when everybody's peeing, and there was this sexy Latino guy there with a big, long, and cut dick, and he started beautiful ass. So, you know, we start playing next to each other, and then he started peeing on me, and I have this thing, and when somebody peed on me, my dick got hard like a fucking rock. That's my Viagra. So, 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 yeah, so, so like, so he, he, pee, he peeled my penis and my penis got hard like a rock. So he pulled his ass off. So, and I start, you know, fucking with him. I mean, I start touching him, eating his ass, and then I fuck him. I start fucking then, and then Colton walking into the, the, the restroom, the, 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 the space, and uh, he saw me there. And he was like, oh, oh, whatever, whatever. And that's, then he, we switch and he fucking too. And then we start playing or whatever. And that's basically how we met in a fucking uh, situation in a bar, fucking uh, strange. How and romantic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, some people meet in church. Some people meet in the movies. <laughs> I was expecting, I saw him from across the room. And oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and he threw me a kiss and I threw him a kiss. I said, oh, cute. So you, you, you guys shared a hole together. We, 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 we just shared a, a, a daily hole in a bar room together. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love that story. <laughs> that is so great. Well, you know, one of the things that I really love about leather is the, the camaraderie between people. And... <laughs> I can't tell you, I mean, I have so many memories of going to the Eagle or going to the Bullet, and there's there's been several times, and I'm just getting, I'm getting chills right now just thinking about it, where I remember just stopping in my tracks and seeing everyone around, feeling the energy of the room, and just smiling from ear to ear, and I remember telling myself, I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. It's so, <laughs> so simple, not even sexual experiences, but I just... Wow. That's what, that's what the energy. Yeah. yeah. The energy. Do you have any, like, what are some of your favorite memories? There are many. I mean, I've been in so many uh, events and activities. We, um, we have this group called Payasos and we do a lot of fundraisers and events and mostly of events are kind of kinky and dirty. Mm-hmm. So anytime we threw a party on any bar, call it, Fallen Eagle, whatever, 562, Bullet, anywhere. Uh, I don't know why, but always the sexual energy is so intense and there is always something happening, even behind doors, even in the bathroom, even in something. But everybody loved that. Everybody come to us and say, I don't know what you guys have, but the sexual energy that you guys bring to this event are incredible. Mm-hmm. So I leave that. Most most of the time, anytime we throw that event, and there are all other events that I've been to, like events that uh, Savior, uh, Spejo, and Gabriel can throw in a bar that are really fun too, and they're really sexy, and uh, also sometimes just a regular night, regular uniform or leather bar, uh, leather night or any of the bars, Eagle or Bullet or whatever. That is all with this beautiful, sexy energy and just get you all horny and happy and whatever, yeah. <laughs> okay, Esteban, we get it. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, okay. So let's see here. You you have the title of Mr. Bullet Leather 2015, mm-hmm. was it? Yes. And what got you interested in holding that title or competing for that title? 
Okay, everything started on uh, 2009 with my uh, former partner, Leo Arte. As I say, we've been, I mean, I've been going to leather contests and IML and MAL and for many years, but I never passed on my mind and I would run for, for a title. So um, in 2009, uh, we were at the Eagle and Leo saw a, a poster of Mr. Eagle Leather Contest on February 6th, which was his birthday, and he said, I want to run for this and, and, and make it my birthday party. And I say, are you crazy? Like, yeah, let's do it. And it was like a one week before a contest. So we went and talked to Charlie and Charlie just kind of laughed at us. But I said, okay, let's do it. So he ran for the title and it was one of the craziest contests I've seen in my life. The line outside, the bar was incredible. People couldn't get in for two hours. That was, oh my God, incredible. But um, he didn't win. So, but he, you know, once you run for a constant contest and you don't win, you, you start getting this little feeling of, because you need to do it. So he kept running, running. He ran like for five contests until finally he got one. <laughs> finally he got, he won Mr. Regiment Leather. And then he uh, won Mr. Los Angeles Leather. And uh, I was always behind him, helping, helping him with everything. Mm. So uh, when he won Mr. Los Angeles Leather and then he went to IML and he got top five too, everybody start. When are you running? When are you running? When are you running? And I say never. <laughs> After all the experience that I have with uh, with Leo, I'm never gonna run for a contest. That's crazy. But everybody keeps asking me, keep asking me, keep asking me, until uh, I don't know why in 2015 um, we're very close to uh, Michael Lara. I mean, I, I love Michael. He's my friend, uh, the owner of the Boulevard, and um, he he say you should run. Oh, no, no, no. I'm lying. I Charlie from the Eagle asked me to run for the Eagle. Hmm. And I say, um, I don't want to run. Like, come on, whatever, you know, come with me. So I run for the Eagle, and I didn't win. Patrick Smith won that year. So down with my Colada, I say, okay, now you run for me. You can't say no anymore because you now you run for a title. You have to run. Then I run for a bullet, and then I won bullet. And uh, guess what? I got I got the spike. I love it. So I keep running for contests. <laughs> <laughs> So that just happened because it had to happen. I think I waited the, the time when it was the right time to do it. Yeah. So when you were up there, did you feel, how did you feel when you were competing and engaging with the audience and answering these questions? And Well, let's, let's go back a little bit. When I went to IML the first year and I was seeing, I was watching the contest with hundreds, probably thousand people. And like fifty of the sexiest men of the world in the biggest stage, I was I was just dreaming. Like say, one day I want to be in that stage. But I, I, me as a Latino, uh, broken English, that's something that never in my life is gonna happen. No, mm-hmm. but one day I'm gonna be there and whatever. So moving back, moving forward, moving forward to to uh, 2015, the moment I uh, run for the eagle and for a bullet. I, I knew who I was. I was so confident. I was so proud of being Latino, of my body, of everything. So I, I was. I, just, I felt so happy, and that was probably what I, what I, uh, um, I tried to uh, to to project all the time my sexuality, how open I was with uh, who I am with everyone, how uh, accepting I am of the people who love me and I love them. So so that was that was probably an easy process to me. Like uh, the interviews for me was always like a big fun conversation like we're having right now. They were not like a dad stress of like, oh my God, who, who, who designed the layer flag? What is this? I never thought about those things. And I probably, as deployed, I, I don't know a lot of those things. But uh, it's more like a being very uh, confident of who you are and what you can do for others. Got it. So when you got up there and, and you, you did take the title for Mr. Bullet Leather 2015, how did, did. you how did you feel? Uh oh my god, that was amazing. I was like, oh I I didn't think I was gonna get it. I said, okay, first run it up again and that's it, no more contest. But I I won it and um it was very fun. Uh that year for me was crazy. My colada, you know, you know, you know that already. Probably, I mean, you've been on the quarantine time, so you haven't had the chance to enjoy that much of him. But uh, he's a really great guy. He supported and everything, and he he helped me a lot. Uh, we throw events almost every other week at the Bullet, all kind of events, super fun and crazy. So I really love it. I really enjoyed that time as a uh, Mr. Bullet Leather. 
Now, you mentioned before that you looked up at the stage and, and you, you didn't see yourself up there. You're, you're Latino and you, right. and you didn't see that representation up there. So did you ever get people coming up to you surprised that you had won a leather title? No, no, after I won. I was probably more part of my insecurities than it was really, mm. really happening. Probably at that time, there were a lot of Latinos still on the stage. But um, but I didn't see them because, you know, when you are insecure of who you are, what you have, you don't see you don't see the, the, the outside. You don't see what really is going on. So right. that was probably me. I was like, no, me as a Latino with broken English, I'm never going to be there, right? But, uh, but uh, that was something, why not? Probably there were another 20 Latinos running for AML with broken English at that time, but I didn't even put attention to that. So, yeah, I never encountered any like that on my years. Mm. Do you remember what your speech was like? My speech, well, uh, I'm a nudist. <laughs> I'm a, I've been a nudist since I was in Colombia, and then here, that's one of the first things that I tried to find, like, nudist organizations. So my my speech my speech on every contest I've done is about being nudist, about being naked. But uh, it's not only being naked as being free of clothes, it's as a being open and being free of stigmas mm-hmm. and attachment to your body. So, so when you, for me, when you are naked, you are, you are really expressing yourself the way you want. No, it's nothing like it's not nothing, no, 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 no facade like showing who you are not. So, uh, all my speeches were about that. What about being nude? I remember, like, I think my my bullet speech was like, "Let's go naked," something like that. I mean, all of them are that. Even the IML speech was like that. Let's get naked. Let's get naked. So yeah. I love that. I love that. I never heard of nudity described that way. And tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I think what I'm getting from what you, you're saying is when you lose the clothes, you're also sort of propelled into this idea of losing your insecurities. Yes, a lot. You know what? Because when you have, I mean, when you are in a, in a, in a social environment, the clothes and everything we have on top is like a, like a facade to show something that we are or we are not. And sometimes we, we then, you know, it happens a lot to us. We go to a party, leather party or no party, or wedding or whatever, and say, I'm not, I'm not wearing the right thing. Is this fine for me? Is this tie fine? Is this pants okay? Is that shoes okay? When you are naked, you don't think that. Mm-hmm. You, you, all those things just leave your mind and you have the time just to, to focus on being free and enjoying and talk to the people and be honest to the people. And that's, that's really good. I love being naked and I love, to encourage people to get naked. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, you are a part of Seamen. Uh, yes. So Seamen is a nudist organization? Yes, Seamen is a nudist organization, uh, California Mainland Jewish Nudism. Uh, it's been around since uh, the 80s, I sound not wrong. Um, it's, a, it's a private club, but uh, it's probably about 400, 500 members all around the world. They do a nude gathering in Malibu every year. I mean, obviously not this year, with like 400, 500 naked guys for a week mm-hmm. with a lot of activities, hiking, pool parties, uh, dress parties, a lot of things. It's super, super fun. So that's why I run for uh, the title of Mr. Seaman because I love that organization so much that I wanted to represent them in Miami. So when you're a member of Seaman or or any nudist organization for that matter, uh, does it always end up becoming sexual at some point or are there events where it's, there's no sexual? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, nudism is not a meaning of, of uh, sex. Okay. Nudism is a meaning of being, again, free and relaxed and open to uh, others without any taboos. So it's more about like embracing that openness and camaraderie with each other rather than sexual. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So you're involved with so many things, Esteban. I We can go down the list, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about payasos. Okay. <laughs> payasos. <laughs> payasos LA. Um, let's say this is a group that we, we I mean, uh, my ex, Liberty Arte, and I started back in 2010 mm-hmm. when he was running for all these contests and he never won. We we see, I mean, we, we see the need to do something without a title, 
because you know after you run for five titles and you don't win say fuck i'm not running for a title anymore if i want to do something for my community i don't need a title mm -hmm. so that one they say okay what about if we just throw a party and a fundraiser for kids I'll say why not okay what would be the team so at that point we have a friend i mean still a friend who is a, a real payaso it's a real clown for a uh, children's hospital here in la and uh we went uh, to his birthday to have some drinks and he said hey and there were like six of us he said hey i'm gonna ask a favor guys uh can we go out but uh can you wear like some clown makeup and clown clothes and we're like what the fuck say yeah let's go let's go let's do it for me it's like okay we'll do it for you so he put makeup in the six of us and we went out on a monday to um uh mustache monday so at that time it was a great clap and was happening and when we entered the bar everybody was oh my god who these people some people were afraid they thought they were a gang because we weren't like the typical clowns but we were like a like a cholo clowns so like a gang so people were like oh my god all these latinos they're gonna kill us something's gonna happen and people start talking to us and some people love us and we have one of the best nights ever so then we say hey you know this is the idea the perfect idea for a fundraiser they do it as a payaso they do it as a clowns so we did a, a fundraiser on Cobra Bar at that time for um, the for Operation Smile, the kids with the left palate, mm -hmm. uh, the red palate or whatever. And um, it was a success. It was crazy. And everybody from the layer community was there. And everybody loved it. And everybody And we raised tons of money. And that was our very first time raising money for something. And everybody said, like, we need the next one. We need the next one. And we're like, uh, I thought that was a one time only. And no, 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 no. So they say, okay, let's throw another one. So we throw another one. And then we say, like, okay, this is time to um, to things get, uh, get things a little organized. So we basically formed the Payasos LA. We, and if you ask me what Payasos LA, I can give you the, the, the legal um, <laughs> mission statement. Or I can tell you, honestly, it's basically just a group of uh, mostly Latinos that are uh, fighting to get a place on uh, on this community. So what we do, we encourage a lot of our, our people to pe people who is uh, afraid, people who is ashamed or, or their body or, or their culture or the many things to be free and to run and to feel happy. So we, we have a lot of people uh, coming into a group and becoming something else, becoming title holders, becoming sisters, or doing something else. But uh, but uh, they we see the change on people when they come to Payasos. Wow. It sounds a lot, Esteban, like your kind of mantra is, you know, to be honest with yourself. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we all have to be honest, not only with ourselves, with everyone, yeah. So what kind of people who who are who's invited to become a member of Piasos and how does that even begin? everyone everyone we I mean obviously we haven't done anything this year mm -hmm. but we we throw events for uh, different for races all the time and um, people can come people can ask us and we say um, this is no uh, a group when you just sign up and just go in you come to our events you participate and you become part of our family because at the end we are all a family. I mean, everybody who is in Payasos or have been part of Payasos, we consider ourselves family. So it's uh, how you become a Payaso, just become part of our family. No, mm -hmm. you, you prove yourself and you want to be part of our family. So when you when you uh, come to a Payasos event, do you have to be necessarily a member of the leather community? No, 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 not at all. No, 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 no. Payasos is for everyone. Okay. It's not. It's not only in the leather community. No, I mean, we let's say we started it because it was part of the whole leather contest and things, but uh, it's it's for everyone. No, everybody. No, every payaso is part of the leather community, and no, no, every event is leather. We do put parties. We do many t different things, and that no, we're leather. We're leather. Okay, well, let's talk about these famous pool parties because I cannot step out of my front door without <laughs> hearing about your pool parties. <laughs> I don't know. Everything is a lie. There is no pool parties. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, you're talking about the pool parties before. Okay. <laughs> you know, people people keep talking and we, Colton and I, keep throwing secret pool parties during quarantine. So we just keep joking about it with everyone. <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, um, no, the pool parties is like... It's like no other, uh, I mean, uh, other pool party. The thing is that we do it a very kinky way, very free and very uh, judgment-free. So 
there is no attitude, there is no drama, there is no, everybody's so cool and relaxed and we accept everyone. I mean, age, shapes, races, everything. So everybody's welcome to our parties and every everybody feel that. So it's basically nothing different than any other pool party on the technical way. It's just um, the environment is very free and very accepting. And everybody who enter a Payasos pool party, they know that. They, they, they all feel accepted and relaxed. And, so and where, do you, where do you have these pool parties? In your backyard? No, I wish. <laughs> I was going to say, I, wish, I don't I would, remember seeing a pool back there. I, I don't have a pool. Uh, we, um, we have friends, friends all over uh, town. So we, because they are always fundraiser. We never, we never uh, raise some money for us. I mean, a penny for us. We, everything is for a fundraiser. For a fundraiser, so we we ask friends, hey, can we use your pool for a fundraiser for a uh, rep trails or for a life cycle or for uh, Tomo Finland or for whatever? So so people get involved with the causes and people let us use their their pools. So basically, friends, and um, we're all over town from Santa Monica, West LA, Silver Lake, Long Beach, uh, Dayside, North Hollywood, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Depend depends on where we get the pool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like you're super duper active. Like you just kind of dived in head first after you got that title, it seems like. Has your platform or your mission in the community evolved or changed over time? Or do you see it kind of remaining, um, holding, you know, holding true all these years? I don't think so. I think I'm uh, I'm still, I mean, if uh, if something has happened, it's time I have evolved and I have... uh, or get older, obviously, and uh, I'm being more uh, uh, relaxed and confident and accepting of things. So, mm-hmm. so when when I was afraid of many things ten years ago, I'm not anymore. Or probably I just I'm I'm very direct to say things to people. People things that I think are not right, or people think that not correct, or I don't like. So, but um, the rest, I think. Uh, my idea is been always trying to get people happy, smiling, uh, trying anytime you come to me and you are depressed and you tell me you sad story because your ex cheating on you or because your mom yell at you or whatever, whatever. I, I, the first thing I try to do is to make you laugh. Hmm. It's, I don't know, somehow, and it's, I don't do it on purpose. It's just my, my, my natural essence. I just try to make you laugh. So. So that's, that's what I do. I try to make people laugh instead of cry, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, well, I'm about to ask you a couple deep questions. So uh, get ready. <laughs> oh, my God. Hold on. <laughs> tell me, tell me. Where do you – I mean, obviously, we're kind of in an unprecedented time right now with COVID. <laughs> and obviously, you know, over the last 10, 20 years, as with any group of, of people or community of, of people – there is always changing and growing. Do you see any differences from the leather community from when you first came into the scene versus today? And where do you see the future of the community going or where would you like to see it go? I think the leather community that I live in the 2000s, it was uh, for me. It was an escape of the West Hollywood bars. Mm-hmm. It was uh, an escape of uh, of uh, appearances and pretending to be somebody else. And when I get to the to the leather community, everybody was accepting. Everybody talked to me, and everybody loved me, and 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 I love everyone. Something that never happened when I used to go to uh, Abby or Ricky's or any any West Hollywood bar. Um, to me, that was the sense of the that was the best part of the layer community when everybody is accepting, different and very real. What I've seen with the change is oh, okay. Also at that time, we we were still living the time when uh, when all this kinky and all this leather stuff was kind of underground. So it wasn't nobody was talking on TV about water sports or about being flogged or about being fisted. So now, after I mean, uh, proposition eight and gay marriage and and now uh, everything that has changed, we I mean I'm glad we have a different life when everything is open and we don't have to hide and we don't have to to be ashamed of uh, of our kinkies or things. 
However, that changed a lot on the leather community. And uh, I noticed that that acceptance that it was happening before is becoming a lot of like a different way. It's, I, see, I see a lot of uh, new groups and they are just like trying to, to eat each other to talk bad about each other, to build each other. I see, constantly I see people fighting for things than before we used to to respect and help each other. Mm. So if to me there is any change on the leather community is the new approach that people is giving it because they are inputting like, like I don't know, a lot of like bitchiness and a lot of like hate and things that they were never part of the community I saw. I see. Uh -huh. So that's something you, you miss. Absolutely. I, I sometimes I, I again I and I when I see all these things I say, oh my god, I hope this doesn't happen anymore. I mean, but it keeps happening, like people just bitching about each other and hating about each other and trying to eat each other alive. Like that was never like that. That was anytime somebody had a problem, somebody came and, and protects you, somebody came on top of you and, and everything. Now it's like I don't know. But that's that's something. But it's not it's not all of it. It's still there is there is a lot of the old part of the community there too, but I just, the, the changes I'm seeing. Well, I mean, now at a time when we're all kind of stuck in our homes, I mean, now might be a good time to kind of consider it and self-reflect. Where would you like to see the community go from here? I love to see everybody being accepting of everyone. I mean, uh, whatever, whatever we are, like whatever our, um, Men, woman, transgender, uh, cis male, cis woman, uh, you know, non-binary, whatever. But people, people is still being attacking each other because I don't know who you are. So people hate me because I don't know what the fuck are you or I don't yell on the street. I love you. So I would love to see people supporting each other mm -hmm. and, and helping each other and being, working with each other and sharing. So that's how we learn how to live with each other. So I, I would love to be like, to see that, see people more accepting and more understanding and less bitchy, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, a big part of this show is, I mean, my hope is that people are listening um, that maybe don't have direct access to leather bars across the country and hopefully across the world. Uh, do you have any advice for people that are just getting into the scene or just starting to experiment with leather or kink on their own? <laughs> I say, one, go really slow on learning. Sometimes uh, when you are young and you are experimenting new things, you you hurt yourself because you are doing things the wrong way and you think you have to rush. You have to rush to be a daddy or you have to rush to, be a, uh, to get fisted. You have to rush. And I would say, enjoy, relax and enjoy your journey everything at the time because when you have to get there you will get there you don't have to be a title holder at 21 years old you don't have to get fisted i mean you could but uh, you don't have to rush to do those things because oh my god i'm starting now and i have to do all these things no learn learn and live and whatever enjoy and when you have the experience and when you can do more different things awesome awesome well Let's get back to sex, Esteban, because I know that you're a kinky bugger. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Tell me. Okay, so we, we've already talked about, you know, your escapades at the urinal and uh, your cruising life. But what are some other fetishes or kinks that, are, that you're into? Do you flag any colors? Okay, I, uh, I would say my main thing is uh, water sports. I love water sports. Giving and receiving. I love flogging. I love um, clown fucking. Clown fucking. Clown fucking. This is a fetish of people who like to fuck people with makeup. Oh. Not only clowns, but uh, sisters, uh, drag queens, and as uh, to me, that's something that turned me on. So okay. I like that. I love uh, our food fetish. I love food, like feel like crazy. Um, <laughs> I love um, what else am I doing? Uh, talk about flogging. I have enjoyed. Oh, I love CBT. I love CBT at all. I love. I love to. I love the pain, give and receive the pain. Okay. Can become pleasure when you are about to explode. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, what else? I mean, general, I have tried, I have tried many things. I love uh, electro, electricity, electro shots. I, uh, I love to give and receive electro shots, and I have a lot of electro toys, and I play with them. And uh, I've done many, many other fetishes, but that's like the main ones, I guess. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, piss, because that's my favorite one. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Tony, you want to go now? You want to go now? You want to go now? <laughs> so, okay, so let's talk about piss. When did you first discover piss? When I first discovered piss, oh my God, I think that was at the bars. Any of those bars with big drops, I um, actually know. If I'm honest, I think it was on the parks. When I used to go cruising on the parks, on the Elysian Park or Balboa Park or whatever, I love to stand on the urinals waiting for other men to go and pee. And watching them pee, excitement, and I used to like start playing with the pee and sometimes drinking and whatever. And uh, I love it. I know. I mean, obviously, they, I have thrown a couple of uh, peace parties in LA called uh, Latrine. And it's been like super fun peace parties when everybody's peeing everyone and drinking water and peeing, drinking water and peeing. And it's, it's a crazy fantasy. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> Hold up. Wait. Slow down, Esteban. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, sometimes I talk too fast. I know. <laughs> no, okay. Right, let's go back. Drinking pee. Okay. How did that come about? Because I'm sure you you have to remember the first time you swallowed piss, right? Yes. You know what? Now that I remember, it was back on 1998. I was in one of the Yahoo chats. And, you know, before... Uh, um, all this uh, scrap and everything, whatever. People just cruise on Yahoo chats, on AOL chats. Mm -hmm. And I was there uh, camera to camera with another guy, I don't remember who. And he say, he started giving me orders and say, I want you to pee in a glass. Oh so I pee in a glass in the camera. And he said, I want you to drink the pee. And uh, I started drinking the pee and that got me so fucking hard. And it was my own pee, but uh, it, was, it was so fucking sexy and I fucking love it. And I remember that, and that was something that, that I always remember the first time I drink pee, my own pee, but it was really, really hot. That and it wasn't coming out. A <laughs> huge rush for you. I mean, were, it was. <laughs> were you doing it as a service at, in the beginning? I was doing it. Yeah, you know. Hold on, Esteban, take a breath. I can hear you running out of breath over there. <laughs> I. You know, when you are chatting, when you're sex chatting with somebody and you do many things, I bet you have done it too. I, I think so, no? I You start doing things that you probably don't do when the person is in front of you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, the guy, I don't know why the guy asked me that. I probably were talking about peace or something, but um, that's something that I, I really love. And um, and I love that. I mean, again, I, I love when somebody peace on me that gave me so fucking hard. And uh, sometimes I drink it, you not know, all the time, obviously, but um, but I love. And um, one of the best uh, things I have with uh, my partner now is that we usually fuck in the morning when before we even wake up, and we piss in each other inside each other. So that's our uh, good morning kiss. So oh my it's gosh! Some, it's you guys, do you hear Esteban's breathing right now? He is so <laughs> excited. He cannot even. <laughs> When I say, are you jerking off listening to the you, you little pervert? I know you are. <laughs> Wait, okay, so what do you do with the piss once in, it's inside you? Does you do you oh, just hold just it came in? Out. Yeah, you have to hold it out before you run out with the bed and then later you, it came out in the bathroom. <laughs> okay, okay. Wow, how cool. It's how... really good, yeah. It's, okay. it's a good feeling, yeah. So it does. Is it feel better than having like cum in your getting shot in your ass because it's like a continuous, probably heavier so stream? You, right? you, you you never been pee inside? Well, this is an interview about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, it is. It is. <laughs> in case you don't know, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's very interesting. You know, uh, a cum come with an orgasm, no, uh -huh. and the pee. Is the pleasure of releasing. So mm -hmm. when you are peeing inside somebody's ass, is this released and you feel really good? And you as a receiver, you also feel all the string coming inside you. 
and make you feel like so great. Wow. So how many guys have pissed in you at once? Oh, I mean, on me, no inside me. On me? No, oh, in, this... like inside you. Like, have you ever had like a line oh, of guys oh, no. pissing no, in front no, of no. you? No, 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 only once, only once. I mean, I can't, I can't, I mean, it's like, it's like a douche. I mean, I mean, when you douche, you, you have this stream of water, you have to get it out. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I can hold it for a second guy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I, we, we can edit this part out if you want, but I just need to say that uh, yeah. well, when I saw you in the sling the day after I met you, um, uh, there was someone who remained nameless, um, pissing inside of you and i remember you it was so sexy to me that you said oh my god i've never been this full before and i could see him like with his dick in you pissing inside of you and i thought that was so hot oh that's good okay i don't remember (laughs) but uh, yeah (laughs) i mean it has happened many times and and i love it i mean when you when you you're fucking me when you piss inside of me it's like uh it's like my prize it's like uh it's like when you know when you get bread when somebody comes inside you, mm-hmm. you that's that your prize. Oh my god, thank you for breathing me. So when somebody pee on me, it's even better than that. It's like, oh my god, it's so thank you, thank you for for doing for giving me this to me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> let's, catch, let's all catch our breath. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any? Well, I call this I call this section "Kinks Gone Wrong." Um, do you have uh, any like funny or embarrassing stories related to kink? A funny story uh, happened not long ago. Let's say I was high on something. No. Okay. <laughs> I was very drunk. I was very drunk and high, and and uh, I have like three guys touching me, touching all my body, and I was feeling so good, and I was so fucking fun, and whatever. And one guy start playing with my ass, and and I feel it so fucking good, and it was great. And I say, yeah, more and more and more. Then at one point, I feel he's fisting me, and I say, fuck, this is it. I'm getting fisted right now. And I there was one of those fucking moments and it was very intense. And I came like crazy. It was crazy, crazy. And everybody, wah, 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 wah. And then after that, I was talking to the guy and I say, motherfucker, you fist me. <laughs> you just break my ass. I say, what are you talking about? I only put two fingers inside your ass. <laughs> Say, what? You're lying. Like, yes, I can only put two fingers. I couldn't put more. Like, a, oh my God, I swear to God, I felt that I was not interested. <laughs> but anyway, so that was like, a, okay, whatever. Um, embarrassing moments, yeah, obviously, uh, going back to the piece, is when um, when you pee on somebody and somebody can hold it and they get it back to you and, you know, sometimes come a little dirty. Mm. So that has happened uh, several times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not only once or twice, several times. So it's very embarrassed for others. I, for me, I tried to hold it, and I think only happened once. And when that happened, I feel really bad because the other person was scary, scared. But um, but after that, I just tried to hold it well. But that's probably one of those moments, like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so do you tend to do this more, like when you're at home, or does it happen at parties more? As well, I, I would imagine that it's harder to hold it in to wait to find a restroom when you're at a party. Yes, um, you know I've done it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so no limitations for Esteban. All right, got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Esteban, it was really great talking with you. Um, before we get going here, how can we reach out to you? How can we find you on social media? How can we get connected with Payasos? Okay, you find me on Facebook, Esteban Bartolo. Mm-hmm. Or you can find me on Instagram, Esteban Bartolo, too. Or you can find me on Twitter, uh, Bart41. Or you can find me just for fans, Bart41. Or you can find me on Nextube. Or you can find me on every porn site of <laughs> the web. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> some are free, some are paid, but you find me everywhere. Uh, payasos, uh, payasos. Uh, the easiest way to contact Payasos is on Facebook. You just go to uh, Payasos LA on Facebook, and you can uh, uh, send us a message. We uh, we tend to get back to people uh, very soon. I mean, very quick. Um, 
I would love to hear from people, ideas and comments and, and things. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, before we get going here, do you have any last statements for our audience? Again, my advice to uh, many people, uh, and I want an advice is just to uh, relax and enjoy life and be free and uh, try to be positive about everything and uh, look the the bright side of the spectrum. No? Awesome. That's it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Okay, Brandon. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Well, before we go, I know some of you are thinking right now, uh, Brandon, you forgot to ask Esteban about his Prince Albert, like you said at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I know some of you are thinking it. Well, if you're thinking that right now, then you would be correct. I totally forgot to ask him about it. But we did record it a little bit later when I realized I forgot to ask him about his Prince Albert. But if you do want to hear some of the dark and dirty after show discussion, log on to Patreon, where you can find me at Leather Talk Mr. Bullet, where you can hear our conversation about Esteban's Prince Albert and a little bit more. Any support that is pledged through the Patreon also helps support the cost of keeping up the podcast and really helps to make it possible to keep hearing these very important personal stories from individuals within the leather community. As always, don't forget that in the midst of COVID-19, there are several organizations within the Los Angeles leather community that are here to help. The LELC Cares, Bullet Bar Pantry, and LE Leather COVID-19 Assist. If you or anyone you know is in need of assistance, please reach out. I will have links in the description below. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Facebook as Brandon Bullet. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy and stay kinky. Okay.